0: I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I notice people get our names mixed up, and I noticed it even more in our Worst of 2022 video because we're wearing t-shirts. Oh. And mine says, that's Nick, and yours says, that's Joseph. Because those are the words that we say. Right. So um i'm joseph <laughs> the yeah. black one uh who's not as smart as the other one. Oh, please and yes, then you, you can are. introduce yourself
1: i i'm nick i'm the uh the caucasoid <laughs>
0: <laughs> the anglo-saxon
1: i'm the wasp uh actually i don't think I don't know what my family... We're mutts. We're white mutts. Uh, well, white, white people in America love to talk about what they're mixed with. Like, Oh, I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about religion. Oh, The, the term WASP, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant is what oh, that. heard that. Ex- uh, excuse my ignorance. This is, this is not uh, about my...
0: I didn't mean to prejudge your statement.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Well, I mean, I've never done a
1: 23andMe and all that stuff. I know my... Because I, I really don't care. But... Uh, no i mean religious i i know we went to well your a... sister did what were her results what was the main i think there was some shock that there was a lot less german <sighs> that we thought Oh. Uh, but uh you know my my uh mother's mother was 100% finnish so i know there was a lot of that uh but prussian uh some some, some something from the spanish peninsula or something so somebody was doing something they shouldn't have had somewhere but uh no i was my uh I'm, I'm trying to remember the church that we were uh uh held captive in for a while as children I, what denomination that is I don't know
0: well in Minnesota isn't it Lutheran
1: it's but we were northern Minnesota oh uh yeah Lutheran's a thing I don't know much about these things I but... don't know they told us that there was no Santa when I was about six or
0: seven so my mom was mad about it. anyhow that. but Nick, it got me out of going for years Nick is the white one who knows a lot about film and literature yes and then there's me and that doesn't but, make me um, smart yeah so get it right look it up you don't know who's who <laughs> stop calling me well no I, mean, I think it's funny because yeah in my mind it's very clear who we are Pe- but people were misattributing <laughs> it's just my, to <laughs> yeah but if you know me or like knowing like me reading it is funny because they're attributing something you said to me. And it's like, well, I, I laugh because I wouldn't have known that. So the fact that they're attributed to me is funny. Um, but for New Year's Eve, a friend invited us to a show. So we rang in the new year with Adita Von Teese. Yes. Uh, so we saw her show. I think it's called gla- Glamatronics or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had never been to a, like a full, like a, like a full burlesque show mm-hmm. in the sense that like, you know, we're spending two hours watching it. Mm-hmm. We've seen like, or I with you have seen like Violet Chachki do a number. Yeah. That's the extent of it. Well, that's actually not true. So, oh. um, well, now oh. that I think about it, because I thought it was fine. I think Dita Von is, she's um, beautiful. She's beautiful. So I think that's enough for her to be transfixing for brief periods of time. Uh And her show is formatted where she's, she's sprinkled throughout and then there are other performers, um, to fill up the rest of the time, but watching her, it is pretty remarkable because she, she looks like a very well-preserved, like delicate ornament Mm -hmm. that's sort of slowly moving across the stage and Uh taking off various articles of clothing until she's left with um, her breast out covered in tassels but. a specimen of living porcelain so i think that's interesting to watch for a period of time for a period yes um it's you know she looks amazing the outfits are amazing uh, i i think i was a little put off by how the crowd was reacting to her because she did i believe five numbers or mm-hmm. four and there's a lot of like slowly removing clothes and each time a piece of article of clothing would be removed the audience would go insane i know and after the third time it's like but she just did this two times before and you just saw her breast but that's part of the game and you didn't play it now we're marked for death yeah uh, but uh, yeah but again i can see
1: the appeal I, well it's just you know the but- in between when the other performers, she's doing costume changes during those numbers. And it's like all this work to get into the, this, these complicated
0: pieces of clothing just to slowly take them off, gotta, which I mean, know, is part of, I guess, the amusement. It um, is. I mean, I think burlesque still is kind of a lost or even dead art. But but, but we did go to that Wednesday, the, the Netflix show. We went to like the premiere party during the Halloween season. It and, was right after the Halloween Or season. Right after. And they had drag performers. Mm-hmm. Including Violet Chachki, and I thought, and she did a burlesque number, but and which I thought was the best of the four performers. Sure. But the difference was she was more high energy. The song was more upbeat mm-hmm. and it had a, an edge to it. And then she herself was more active. Dita and the other performers were pretty sedate. There was one woman named Taylor. Yes, the one black person one, on the the one black woman. There the were one a, black. Yeah, there was a black. Oh, there was a man. Yeah she she gave me what i needed Uh it was very josephine baker like i mean it was beautiful No props needed yeah it was nothing just her on stage and that was i could have watched two hours of that sure but um i i still enjoyed it It was nice it's it's not something i would have normally done so i appreciated that we had a nice dinner at a restaurant called little sister in downtown la Mm -hmm. which i would not recommend but i was fine i enjoyed it for the company but i did not um I, I think the ambiance is lacking for the price and the food. It,
1: to, to me, that felt like a, a lot of uh, restaurants in France per se feel almost exactly like. Well,
0: that. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm just really tired of like all these trendy places that are overpriced, and then you're sitting in these tight spaces on uncomfortable chairs on tables that are too. Already making me feel big boned. Yeah, too close to other people, and then you hand me this like plate that's like it looks cool, but. There's so much on the plate I can't eat. It's like garnish bones, and
1: bones and gristle and God, the cilantro they must go through at Little Sister. Oh my, oh my At my first dish, I ate all of it like a good little boy, and then I'm like, "Oh, I don't think I'm supposed to eat all that cilantro."
0: Yeah, and then I ordered like a short rib thing that was like sixty percent fat, and then they like the bone marrow. They they gave me a big bone that had bone marrow in it, and then mm. they gave me a dish with bone marrow and we, butter. We
1: that we should have asked what that was. I we assumed that. Was and bone then like.
0: Marrow. Six little slivers of, like, bread. You needed more bread. And there were no vegetables. I mean, that wasn't a proper meal. And it took a long For time. that kind of money. And it took, and then the service, like, immediately the server comes out and says, have you been here before? No, well, this is how we do things. And when you order, we bring it out when it's ready. So it's not going to kind of come out at the same time. So you need to share your food. And mine was the last to come out. And that was an hour after we ordered. But I appreciate that he
1: told us that because we ate at that Greek restaurant in Silver Lake where they didn't bother to tell us that. What's the name of that place?
0: Greekman's. That was garbage. It was garbage. Greekman's in Silver Lake. I was so disappointed. I was too. And if they, I love if someone food. from there reaches out to me to try to give me a free meal, I still wouldn't. Go I there. love Greek food. I mean, that's, I do why, too. that's
1: why I chose to go there for my birthday. But And it's not your
0: fault because I would have assumed that would also be a nice place. I I could not believe how disappointing.
1: Well, I, you know, even though that that lady there didn't tell us that I assumed it. So that's why I ordered a bunch of dishes, right? and then they
0: came out in In the most bizarre order. the hummus
1: came out almost last
0: the hummus came out last with no no accoutrement and the prices would indicate that there would be more than
1: so you know about like chicken satay or whatever like, there were two little skewers. Like, you see
0: these two grown men here. Tell me. Can we talk, since I'm, so I'm going to rant about food. So, the other night, we had dinner at this vegan Mexican restaurant, which was pretty good. On Melrose. On yeah. Melrose. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I wanted something sweet. So, we went to Milk Bar. Oh, boy. Yeah. Chill. <laughs> yeah, I I am forever upset about this damn place. We ordered three things. Mm-hmm. Their little crack pie shit, that milk pie. Which I've made before. Which you've, Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is fine. And then three little truffle cake balls. So like cake pops that they're calling truffles, but they're not even. I'd rather have the Starbucks cake pops pops are more rich and dense and moist than these things. Agreed. And then a slice of their chocolate cake. And when, and so the total was 20
1: and you keep in mind, you don't see the dimensions of the cake or the pie because
0: they, well, here's what I want to talk about. It was $27 plus of course they asked for a tip. So then it's like over $30 for the three things and. Everything is pre-cut and pre-packaged mm-hmm. and you can't see what's in the box, mm-hmm. but I could tell from the weight of it that the milk pie was going to be like the size of like three sticks of gum. Yeah. And you can see the little cake truffles, which again, you can buy milk bar stuff at the grocery store. So this shit, it mm-hmm. it tasted like something that was in a bag at a grocery store, like sitting for days. Yes. And then the box of the cake slice, cause that shit was over $11 for that one cake slice. So I assume based on the size of the box, it would be a, even if it would have filled up the box, I still would have felt like this is not the biggest slice of cake. This should be for this right. price. It was, I'm not exaggerating. It I mean, a it, picture. I know, but like, did you think I was being unreasonable?
1: No, you went upstairs. Cause I, I, I opened it and I knew when you came down that there was going to be a problem. That's why I met you at the stair and said, oh, yeah, uh, you
0: warned uh, me like you're going to be upset. And I thought you like, like, Aided. put a dent in the wall or something
1: oh. um fixable
0: if anyone from milk bar is listening y'all need to send me like a gift card the po box is listed in the no, description I of the episode you,
1: i mean the flavor of that was only just fine oh
0: i don't think it was it, it I, I i don't think the cake was that great i think the truffle balls were like i mean the cake pops at Vaughn's taste better
1: yeah i don't need to go back there i make the better... milk
0: pot the, the the milk bar pie whatever that was I thought it was fine, but we've had that before. I
1: make better cake and pie myself. So
0: I think that, yeah, if you would have made a chocolate cake, it would have been better. But anyway, I just I'm I'm so irritated by and then the service was just like this lady standing there not really being like helpful. She was fine. No, because you weren't paying attention to her because she was talking to her cohort and they were kind of acting annoyed because someone asked about something and they're like, well, the slices are over there. That's what we have. And then it's like, and then you turn that damn computer screen around and want a tip. And it's like, you did literally nothing. Everything is pre-sliced. I had to get it myself. And then when she asked if you wanted a bag, you had to put the shit in the bag yourself. I did, but I... so what are you doing that you want me to tip you twenty percent on twenty seven dollars worth of shitty dessert? Oh. That's
1: over a five dollar tip. I know, but LA is expensive, and she probably is. If she's working there, she probably doesn't have
0: the greatest living situation. Sure, is how I think. Sure, so... but I just think that I I'm I'm not into this. Like everyone thinks they need a tip. You didn't do anything. You like you did nothing. You did nothing. You probably didn't even sliced those cakes. Like she someone in the earlier in the day did that. I don't. I don't know. The combination of being asked for a tip when to me, a tip is like for a service worker who provided a service to you. Sure. But if you're just doing your basic job, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm I, I don't think I'm cheap and I don't tip poorly, but sometimes the shit gets out of hand.
1: Yeah. Well, but part of it's in play, you know, how many, a dozen eggs cost over $5 now. So,
0: you know, or. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not our, yeah, but I mean, that's a societal thing that we need to push back on. Like we need to raise the minimum wage and people need to be paid a living wage. You provided healthcare. Like it, it it can be me, you know, the, the damn cashier at PetSmart had a tip jar out. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like me buying, why why am I tipping you when I had to go grab my cat food and all you did was scan it? Yeah. Why, Why would you get a tip? Why? I don't understand. Why is the person who rang up my bottled beverage, like if I'm buying a bottled water at Starbucks and then they have their little tip jar out, it's like, why would I but tip you? But you have the option not to tip. I know, but it's just, just like this idea that like I would tip you I, I don't know i'm going on a rant about something i didn't want to okay. but we can move on to something else oh and then we got to meet dita bontis um yeah in an I, interesting I guess, I guess if you call that meeting like in an interesting uh, like after parties situation that was not a party it was just like a con a conference that room?
1: shit that shit was so fucking la it, that shit drives me crazy the people that did that that were fawning over the uh, yeah, just people standing around watching each other stare at her in this VIP section where you could take pictures. I, not my thing.
0: I think for the people, there were a couple of people there who clearly really liked her. Good, and great, great and, and this them. was a chance for them to meet someone they like. I think that was really cool. It was fun to watch them because you could tell like they really liked her and they bought her merchandise. Sure. But then there were other people who just like, and then hearing people talk. Oh. Do you remember me? I did this, I did that. Is very much not my scene. And if I ever get to the point where like people would want to meet me, I just, I only want to be around people who actually want to meet me well, of course. and I would have to come up with a way to vet it. Like, 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 like if you watch our videos, or listen of podcasts, you need to quote me in something because like, oh boy. just cause you recognize me and you want a picture with me. And then you're there for five minutes. There were people there, like taking multiple, multiple pictures and trying to talk to her about stuff and you could tell that they were just like. They wanted time with a famous person. Yes, that's all it is. That shit was annoying. But, that, but
1: I mean, the the event, the after party itself felt very L.A. Like it wasn't
0: orchestrated to be a party. No, there was no music. Yeah, it was. There was an open bar and they had snacks. But And some people were taking advantage of those Oh my snacks. God. Oh my God. Th- that's the other thing. People sit around. Joan Collins was at the performance. She was. And a person who was sitting with her. Because um, the person we went knew some people over there too. So we, anyway that person who was acting all fancy and from a distance mm-hmm. you know sometimes you see people close up it's like whoa yeah like oh you are <laughs> he looked like a crackhead and then he was time, and then he was eating all those free snacks and then he left a mess he left a huge like mess. when you go to applebee's and there's a toddler in a high chair yeah. and then they leave that's the mess he made yes i couldn't believe
1: that No, i could people are whatever
0: but okay let's move on to something better <laughs> So it's since it's the new year and since Apple Music reminded us, I oh, thought yeah, it would yeah. be fun to go through our top 10 songs. Are you shocked? And our top 10 artists. So do you want to go through artists first? Sure. So we can just alternate. Okay. So who's your number 10 artist? On And this is through Apple Music, which is the platform we both use. Mm-hmm. I only use Spotify very rarely for stuff that Apple doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And then I have YouTube premium. So I do listen to stuff on there but 90% of the time it's apple music and the same for you. Okay, so who's your number 10 artist of the year for 2022? Boney M. <laughs> oh, well you do like Sunny. Rasputin. Or sorry, Rasputin.
1: And all kinds of well Ra rah, Rasputin. Yeah. No, and you like Sunny. And it's Sunny I yeah. listen to a lot, yeah.
0: My number 10 is RuPaul. Okay, not surprised. <laughs> I, I I think for 2022, the song I pro- probably played the most was I'm a winner, baby. 2020,
1: that was my number one last year.
0: Yeah, I like that song.
1: Who's your number nine? Joe T. Vanelli. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do, because you were the one that found
0: that awesome 2020 remix of Eartha Kitts. Oh, so you've been listening to that song, or have you discovered other music from that person? No, I just listened to that song. There's a really good song that this artist remixed using Eartha Kitts vocals for a song called I Need a Man, mm-hmm. or... Um, that's grace jones um uh, uh, where is my man where is my man and quote some lyrics in that song because it's funny uh
1: oh god now i have to think about it though like uh, i need a man with a big big
0: big big yacht <laughs> so you can take me to monte carlo <sighs> yeah if you don't know that uh Where's My Man, uh, Earth the Kid and remix.
1: Because often we're around the house screaming, I need him now. I, yeah, that's the quotable <laughs> from
0: that song. I need him now.
1: Uh, but I was uh, strutting up and down the streets of Cannes this year, have, having that on repeat.
0: My number nine artist uh, was Kylie Minogue. Oh. She had a lot of songs I like, but particularly some of her live um, albums I really like. Uh, tracks from her live albums, uh, including Get Out of My Way, that's a favorite. And The One, I really like. Who's your number eight artist Beyonce? (laughs) Well, that's a good choice or, uh, my number eight is Christine W who I've loved since I was in college in the nineties. Who's your number seven artist? Uh, the scat brothers, uh, what would I know? I've been asking you to listen to we walk the night. Oh, okay. I need to do that then. Mm -hmm. My number seven is actually like a collection. Um, it's instrumental jazz music. That's what I listen to when I'm working. (laughs) Okay. Oftentimes that that track when I really need to concentrate, I'll put that on. What's your number six,
1: Donna summer. Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm.
0: My number six is another. um, So this one is smooth jazz. Oh, (laughs) I listen to this too. when I'm trying to focus your number five. Compromat. What is that? Like a French German kind of techno punk. My number five is Christina Aguilera. Um, I've been listening to your body a lot. Oh, um, the the re, the new version. The, <laughs> the new, obviously. Yeah, and uh, like let there be love. I even like show me how you burlesque. <laughs> I, Speaking I do of like burlesque. That you're no, yeah. Your number four, uh, four artist, Vitalik. I know Vitalik. Mm-hmm. My number four is Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. Look
1: at her creeping up there.
0: Your number three, Adult.
1: What is that? A bands. Oh, I'm not familiar. Uh, oh, I, I listen to them a lot. Uh actually I guess I've I've played some of them um
0: I feel worse when I'm with you is a sign I know Same. I played for you. Uh that 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 was your number three? Yeah. My number three is Mary J. Blige. Okay. She's a forever favorite of mine. Your number two artist? Madonna. Oh my number two artist is janet jackson Mm -hmm. no surprise and your number one artist Ladytron. oh at 1169 minutes lord (laughs) help (laughs) us jesus well my number one artiste is madudu okay you know i do really 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 like madonna sure she's a very close second well she's not a close second to janet jackson but um i listen to more of her music i feel like janet's like I I only listen to Janet when I need something. Uh-huh. I feel like I need to sure. feel. Yeah. Whereas definitely. Madonna, I can always.
1: Well, that's like me with Sigourney now. It's like I'm I'm so exhausted the filmography that it's like, you know. Yeah. I I need to be I need to be I need her right now in this moment for that. Yeah. When I
0: need Janet, I know what she can give me and it works. Uh. So I don't listen. But I mean, clearly she's my number two artist. And I listen to a lot of music, so that was a lot of minutes. Okay, moving on to top ten songs. Mm-hmm. what's your number 10 break my soul
1: the um madonna beyonce oh beyonce song. remix yeah.
0: my number 10 is get together by madonna okay <laughs> i love that song and mm-hmm. i like the video yeah your number nine song
1: uh decepticon by la Tigre. do i know that no but i quoted that uh, something from that a couple weeks ago
0: oh. you'd like it my number nine is commander by kelly Rowland, still featuring oh david getta <laughs> that's a good gym song it is your number eight song, uh,
1: "Roses," the Immenbeck remix by Saint John. Oh,
0: my number eight is "Physical" by Dua Lipa.
1: I listen to that a lot. I time. do like that it song. Is a good song. <laughs> Your number seven, uh, "Lune Est L'autre" by Vendredi de mer. Do I know that? I played you. It's a it's a nice like vibe song. I like it when I'm driving. Okay, and, obviously in French. I played it for you, and you were like, "Yeah, that sounds like something you'd like."
0: Your number.
1: Your number seven.
0: Oh, my number seven is "On Our Own" from Bobby Brown. That's the <laughs> Ghostbusters uh, song. Oh God! Yeah, your number. I, I. That that. It's a really cute song. Your number six track. Uh,
1: Hairs, Todd by Compromat. It's good to run to. Um.
0: My number six song is "Victory" by Puff Daddy, mm-hmm. featuring the notorious Big and Busta Rhymes. I think Biggie's lyric. Like his first verse, he has two verses. The first one is so good. And he has that line where he's saying, oh, now I just forgot. It's something like, it escaped me. But anyway, I really, really like that song. Number five.
1: Uh, where is my man? Featuring Earth Kit, <laughs> <laughs> Joe T. Vanelli. It's a certain remix of that song. Uh, but it is so good.
0: My number five is Bananas by Queen Latifah. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I really like her. Um, my favorite. Two verses in that.
1: What's, oh, the name of my. Favorite Queen Latifah song is, um, uh, what is it called again? I just want to, uh, oh, fuck, why I I understand, I can't understand, oh, I can't understand, I can't understand.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a really good album, is very good. Okay, your number four,
1: Walk the Night by the Scat Brothers, which I'm telling you, I didn't discover, I didn't know about the song until what's the day I saw
0: Megan. Oh, because they play it. Because oh, that's wow. what she's dancing to. So, so I've that's been your number four, four, four song of after the year. like a month? Wow. Yeah. My number good. four song is On Top. Uh That's a Mary J. Blige song featuring 504. I really like the beat to it. Your number three song?
1: Romeo by Donna Summer. <laughs>
0: oh, God. <laughs> My number three song is Ape Shit by the Carters.
1: I know you really like that song, which, Child, which that...
0: surprises me. Well, it... That song really has to be appreciated with like a good sound system. Sure. So, um, my last car specifically had a very, very nice sound system. So I would play that all the time. Um, so that probably added to the count. And then I was gifted some beats, headphones, like Mm -hmm. the studio beats i usually use jabra so do you and i think they're very good Job, for,
1: well i have i have to move yeah so, jabra
0: yeah. are great uh I, I think the sound quality the base for the price and then if you're very active like if you run um, um or like i would do like my daily burn like hit stuff with those on they stay in and they the sound quality is great but then i was gifted Be- studio beats headphones like the old school over the head and i have to say those sound like 50 percent better i'm sure yeah so ape Shit sounds really good on that your number two track
1: tonight we fall by adult oh which is from a 2013 album by them but it's just got a really sweet dark melancholy vibe to it i don't know i really like it
0: my number two song is czar c-z-a-r by buster rhymes from his new album i oh, think i haven't the, listened to that again. oh the beat is so good and his flow he sounds really oh, growly you know, and movie, then the yeah. opening of the song is chris rock yes like introducing him which is funny uh but your number one song for 2022 is city
1: of angels by ladytron oh um it's from their forthcoming album that drops i believe this month in january
0: nice my number one song is amazing by mary j blige okay even though it features dj khaled who i cannot stand well i love this song it's such a fun happy song yes you do play that a lot yeah Okay. Um, moving just a quick, so we're going to make a video about Nick's letterbox stats for 2022, but just to, uh, I just needed
1: to be clear to the people. Cause, uh, I technically watched 774 films this year, 458 of those were 2022 releases, 316 were older films. And actually now that I've caught up with letterbox, this was a, a lean year for me.
0: Oh, because usually I've watched more in previous years.
1: Usually I hit close to. Usually I'm over, but between like eight fifty and nine seventy.
0: That's excessive, and (laughs) I think explains a lot about uh, what it's like to live with you. And uh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) that's an excessive amount of movies. Sure, Um, but uh, I mean, it's impressive to some or Mm -hmm. astonishing to most. We need to take a break. All right, we have another, like, favorites list I wanted to go over with you. Oh? Did you see um, President Barack Obama's favorite movies of 2020?
1: Yes, Mr. Obama, The Fablemans, The Fablemans.
0: I know. Um, it's not a bad movie. No, but. So so I can't I, shit I, on I it.
1: invite everyone to look up what Joyce Carol Oates said about it on no. Twitter.
0: <laughs> um, So his list consists of The Fablemans decision to leave
1: which uh park chan wook which i tried to get you to watch very good the
0: woman king good after son yes emily the criminal okay petite Maman, yeah descendant which he says he's biased because his production company produced that
1: i watched that you wouldn't you wouldn't watch it happening yeah till oh, well yes
0: everything everywhere all at once oh, of course top gun maverick oh, okay the good boss
1: uh, I With Javier Bardem, I haven't seen that actually.
0: Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Hamaguchi.
0: A Hero. Uh,
1: Farhadi, yep.
0: Hit the Road.
1: Uh, Panahi's Son. Tar. Uh huh.
0: And After Yang.
1: No. Okay. Two of those I
0: have to. But that's a pretty. Um, it's pretty good yeah i mean when you think of i mean we were watching uh other people's best and worst lists and i feel like a lot of a lot of people's best and worst lists indicate to me that they don't watch that many movies or they only watch movies that come out like through their amc pass that they get like Yes. No. Yeah. And even people's worst list is like, oh, you're only ranking movies that you saw like at AMC. So your list is very limited and everyone's list is the same. It's It's very similar. uh, Configuration of the same 10 movies.
1: Well, kind of like their best list. Different configurations. I I think that's, you know, part of the problem with our culture is everybody. Nobody wants to stick their necks out and say what they really feel about some things. And there are certain uh, pieces of art that we label as appropriate to demolish and tear apart. AKA blonde, which is not deserving of the vitriol whatsoever. And I will go to my grave thinking that where, where, how, how are we in a world where glass onion is praised at all? And Blonde is demonized. Like, Well, I
0: think the thing that we need to remember is people have sort of like an emotional reaction to stuff that isn't logical. And I think that's fair because we all do that. Like who's that one idiot you put on
1: that was saying that Blonde is uh, exploitative? And it's like, that's the fucking point. The fucking point right there.
0: Well, but that isn't, I mean, that's not an argument for it being okay or good. I also think that it was exploitative or however you say it but i don't know that that's i mean that's a lot of things so i feel like you're going to say that movie if you're going to say that it's exploitative and that's why you don't like it then you shouldn't like a lot of things because but well right but i i i just didn't care that film rubbed me the wrong way just because i thought there were some moments that were crunchy but the biggest thing was like we're making up a story about a historical figure which is kind of how i felt about emancipation like sure that yeah, person yeah, the, the is like blank, the blanks being filled that in person like, oh, okay. is a real person and then everyone like commenting on the video like this is a real person yeah i know that because we said that i'm saying that it's weird that there's a real person who affected our culture and instead of highlighting what we know this person life meant to people we're like creating an entire narrative and filling in all these blanks to sensationalize it from my perspective so i can appreciate why people, but that would be like me saying Emancipation was the worst, worst movie of the year. It's not. It's not, no. Maybe I didn't care for it, but like there were way worse things. Oh yeah,
1: the t- like Elvis and Bros, didn't like him, but uh, you know, there's a lot worse. But
0: anyway, getting back to President Obama's list, I think it shows that,
1: you know. I think he watches a wide range of things. I've been impressed by his list in the past. Uh, it's interesting, kind of like John Waters. I, I, I always enjoy reading his list as well.
0: Anyway, you were talking about this earlier, so I was just going to mention it. So a couple of years ago, Janine Garofalo talked about nearly landing the female lead in Fight Club, but Edward Norton refused to sign off on her casting because he wanted his then-fiancee, Courtney Love, to get the role. But oh. Brad Pitt refused to sign off on Courtney's casting, so the role eventually went to Helena Bonham Carter. Um, and then Courtney Love was on Mark Marin's podcast, and she said that the reason brad pitt wouldn't sign off on hers because she wouldn't sign off on brad pitt wanting to do the kurt cobain biopic years ago and then he tried and then in 2020 brad pitt's production company tried again to do the biopic and she said no so she's saying that's why she wasn't in fight club because he was mad that she wouldn't let him do the Kurt. he wanted to be kurt cobain back then and then now he's still mad because she won't sign off on it (laughs)
1: So anyway, I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. That's the year she was in uh, Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman film with Jim Carrey.
0: I wanted to shout out a podcast I've been listening to Um, the ladies. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's a podcast called Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies. So DSM, it features two. well, Well, I'll just read what how they describe their own podcast. We diagnose character behavior from black television shows and films, giving our clinical opinion and just kick it with you to help expand the mental health conversation by making it relatable. So it's two black women who appear to be maybe like slightly younger than I am. And they're both licensed therapists. Well,
1: yeah, because I know one was born in
0: 1990 because she said she was two when Boomerang came out. That's right. One of them is like in her um, like, yeah, I, I think they're in their mid to late 30s, the two of them. Well, no, 1990 would be. Thirty-three this year. Yeah, sorry, she's in her early thirties, and I think the other one's probably late thirties. But anyway, they're both both licensed therapists, and they talk about black TV shows, black movies, and uh, there are a couple episodes that just talk about the artists themselves, like Jamie Foxx. And um, they basically diagnose like characters in the movie, ideas. They talk about things from their clinical perspective using the DSM. But, um, they're also super like fun and relatable and they talk in a way that's like just
1: conversational. Yeah.
0: I would love if either of these ladies, Courtney Cope or Dr. Rosie B if they're listening, which I'm sure they're not, but, um, if any, like I would love to be on their podcast, Mm -hmm. they're so fun and cute and smart. And I love how they go from sort of cracking up and acting the fool to then literally like diagnosing someone and giving the breakdown. And they, they sound very knowledgeable. Um, so I've been binging that the last several days. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy it, but I would recommend this podcast, diagnosing sitcoms and movies, podcast. Okay. There's uh Oh, my, my, the last thing on my little short list is, uh, today's Morris chestnuts birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So Morris. shout out Morris. And
1: he's uh, currently featured in the best man, uh, What's the name of that series? Yeah, obviously, continuation of the two films. But but people know Best man
0: Chronicles is. Yeah, is that what it's called? But people, you know, Morris Chestnut's a fixture in like 90s black cinema and people probably know him most
1: well and he still looks pretty damn good I, I think
0: he's in one of those like NCIS or Law yes. and Order type shows but yeah and looks the same
1: yeah because they used to have that uh he print, and Nia Long a, a prince of him plastered all over the Grove for whatever series he was in for a
0: long oh, time sure. okay um there was a question um someone asked because we mentioned that we would like to make our own film and would it be a fish jelly production um, I, yes. I mean, that's the plan. Unless our accountant tells us we need to do it differently. It would be,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, we're, we're, I,
0: I mean, I would love for it to be like a fish jelly production. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think for marketing purposes, it would make sense to have sort of an omni channel approach to the brand. Mm-hmm. But, um. Uh, yeah, that is the plan that we would produce it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Films released. We didn't cover turn every page.
1: The Turn Every Page, The Adventure of Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb, uh, about an author. Robert Caro is a Pulitzer Prize winning author and his editor, uh, directed by Lizzie Gottlieb, who I forgot to verify, but I'm sure that's Robert's daughter or other relative. Uh, Caro, so this is a documentary. The only thing that released this week we didn't cover Uh the Power Broker was a 1970s book he wrote that was very uh, famous about a New York urban planner named Robert Moses. I think he also had a very expansive publication on LBJ, uh, that neither of which I've read. Uh, but yes, we did not watch that
0: documentary. It came out. Okay, we watched a lot of movies for fun.
1: <laughs> oh, it was a nice break to be able to choose things to watch.
0: Okay, first was A Husband for Christmas on Christmas on Christmas this Day. Was
1: trash
0: well christmas day my mom just was at the house the entire day cooking yes so literally the entire day so we uh you know put on various things but we actually sat down and paid attention to something called a husband for christmas it's from a director uh david dakoto who has a i mean this is his brand to make these corny he makes a lot of movies
1: with vivica a fox and
0: usually he recycles a lot of the cast yeah
1: yes but uh she's usually the featured lead uh but they usually have a title like the wrong husband or the wrong stepmother or the, the wrong something it's a anyway like- this
0: movie was about vivica fox works for this company run by eric roberts and he wants to hire this guy who we know from
1: aliens he's private frost from aliens
0: He who's playing a british man and he a does, british national and
1: he, the, which is a plot point and that is
0: he can- his accent is
1: I mean he still looks good, but I wish I mean they... I
0: might as well try to be British. Oh it like was bad. it was that bad. It was pretty bad. Uh, and her boss, Eric Roberts, forces her to marry him. So get her so, so she can get a so she, and he promises her a promotion to VP or some shit. So that he can get citizenship. Which is obviously like, girl, I would have immediately said, um, let me get back to you while I go talk to can an you employment say again attorney. To this phone? Yeah, and... can you say this into my phone so I can sue you? But she goes along with it and of course like there's ins issues and, immediately oh my they're god they're immediately up there everyone looks crazy in the movie. literally everyone looks crazy as hell jack
1: a harry who i don't remember what oh, she's except doing, jack
0: a she's fine
1: i don't know what she's doing in the film but she shows up to, for like one scene
0: one 30 second scene where she's supposed to oh well her function is to make vivica's character feel bad that she's that's not right
1: she's ha- her competition from school
0: yeah and yeah. like jack a. is doing better financially in yes. her career so that kind of pushes vivica's character it puts her it primes her for saying yes to this stupid yes situation and then her,
1: uh vivica's best friend is played by dominique swain
0: yeah who's like this lady looks like she's like 25 years younger than you and
1: she who <laughs> i remember as being in adrian lines lolita remake which you used to own on vhs
0: that's right uh and then after we watched A husband for christmas we took a break uh and then we put on a mom for christmas <laughs> which
1: was from my childhood which you
0: had talked about a lot starring
1: Olivia Newton-John, a 1990 television film directed by George Miller. Not the George Miller, the other George Miller.
0: It's basically like if you took the movie Mannequin. Yes. But made it for Christmas.
1: Yes. And when I, growing up as a, because how old was I in 1996? That, uh, I, when people thought about, talked about Mannequin, I thought they were talking about this movie for years.
0: There's this, there, so there's this girl living with her dad and the the mom is gone. Mm-hmm. so the little girl's like wishing for a mom and she's, she's kind mall. of and she's kind of an outcast and then there's this lady who works in the mall played by Doris Roberts from Who's everybody like, loves Raymond who I guess is like a witch right <laughs>
1: but also a, works part-time but also
0: them. is like a retail associate at Macy's but she uh overhears this girl saying she wants a mom and she turns one of the mannequins into Olivia Newton John to be this girl's mom for like 24 hours but it's longer than that but but it doesn't make sense to me because then when olivia newton john's character comes alive she explains that some of the mannequins are already alive for two hours a night they get to
1: be alive or so
0: but but then not all mannequins are like that because some of them don't have that spark which was actually a creepy scene yeah. because there's a scene where olivia is walking through the mall and she confronts or she approaches some mannequins and then she goes like oh weird these don't have the spark
1: the, they're a new brand of mannequins that all look the same
0: so her- i actually thought that was creepy yeah And of course, it ends how you would think, which is that there there, there are some troubles, but then ultimately the little girl wants Olivia to be her mom.
1: And Doug Sheehan from Knocked Landing plays the dad, who I thought looked like Clue Gulliger, but she comes to life because he also believes it falls in love with her. Yeah, okay. Uh, But but that George Miller, um, who directed The NeverEnding Story 2, and another Christmas TV movie a year later called In the Nick of Time, starring Lloyd Bridges as a soon-to-be retiring Santa. Oh, God.
0: Okay, uh, we watched a movie called Scorchers. Oh my god! Which I highly, highly recommend. It's terrible. It's really bad. It stars Faye Dunaway, James Earl Jones, Jennifer Tilly, Denholm Elliott. <laughs> this movie is so problematic. First, the uh, the person kind of narrating it is this guy trying to do like a Cajun accent. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And then it Faye looks Dun-
1: like Fred Armisen, and SNL skit. Oh,
0: it's it's he he sounds like jason Sudeikis is doing main justice yeah but Fade it's like this small town and like this maybe the 80s in louisiana in in, louisiana in the bayou and faye dunaway is like the town whore mm-hmm. and jennifer tilly plays this woman whose dad is a preacher mm-hmm. and her husband is just like this hunky overly hunky guy
1: patrick warburton who i've never seen so hunky and young
0: it was shocking how like good-looking he was yeah We find out that her husband and her dad, the town preacher are having sex with the town whore, Faye Dunaway. Mm -hmm. And so a big plot point is Jennifer Tilly confronting Faye Dunaway about that or her having to tell her basically like step your pussy up if you want to keep your husband happy. Mm -hmm. But then there's another side plot with another woman who's the daughter of the narrator, Mm -hmm. the main justice. But mm-hmm. by Emily,
1: Emily Lloyd, I think is the actress. Yeah. And we
0: see that on that same night she's gotten married mm-hmm. and then her husband, who's also very attractive, wants to have sex with her, but she doesn't want to because she's scared it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And then their entire plot point is that in their bedroom, while they're trying to have sex and she won't, the dad comes in
1: to pressure her to
0: convince her to have sex with her husband. And so all three of them, all three of them are in this bedroom. Trying to convince this poor lady. Well, the two of them are trying to convince this poor lady to have sex. And the dad finally does convince her. By, and there's a scene where he makes her pretend that her dead mother is to there. Who died in childbirth. Oh, my God. And it, then Faye Dunaway looking crazy as hell.
1: Who seems very amused. Denholm Elliott is the town drunk. And James Earl Jones is the town bartender. He's screaming all his lines.
0: There are so many reasons to watch this movie. Uh, I would say Faye Dunaway is the main one. But also, James Earl Jones shouting every single line of dialogue and he's the bartender so not only is he shouting all of his lines but before he shouts them we take a beat for him to walk from behind the bar yeah he always has to like take a moment to walk from behind the bar and then he starts pointing his fingers and yelling Mm -hmm. someone needs to make like a a compilation edit of just james earl jones that would be gold
1: um it's funny it's it's directed by david beard who's now dead, but it's based on his own play that he opened in Los Angeles. I don't know how this got made, but
0: it is it, it is must see. It's terrible. Okay, then we watch another outrageously terrible movie that I think might be on my list of like must rewatch regularly. Oh,
1: I've told you for years. The
0: Lonely Lady yes. starring Pia Zadora.
1: Mm-hmm. And ray Liotta.
0: it's basically about this woman who wants to be a screenwriter and all the things she has to go through to basically as she says fuck her way to the top mm-hmm. uh, and win an oscar and she ultimately wins an oscar and then renounces like all of motion picture yeah. at her, during her acceptance speech but it is so captivating
1: it definitely is um we've uh, we did mut- watch
0: it with two friends a mutual
1: friend uh that we met through a friend we've always joked about Since I've known her for what three months about having a Piazzadora double feature with this and Butterfly, but they finally came over and
0: but it was the perfect way to watch it because the two friends and then we were like we were eating and drinking and Mm -hmm. then we watched an episode of Murder She Wrote which I had never watched before and that was fun Mm -hmm. so we were very well primed with Kaniki from Greece with this terrible ass movie and I just uh, yeah. I would highly, highly recommend you watch The Lon- the
1: Lonely
0: Lady. Oh, so
1: it's based on a Harold Robbins novel, who would, which should tell you that it's trash right there. The author of The Carpetbaggers and The Betsy and uh, what's that movie with? The uh, Carpetbaggers yeah, about a Carol, gang of lesbians? With, <laughs> with Carol Baker. Um, I'm just kidding. Who he, he Again, worked, I love lesbians. the other day. Uh, and... What's that movie? The, the Adventures? Oh, my God. You need to see that with Candace Bergen. Okay, uh, anyway, we... it's directed by Peter Sasty, who uh, Pia Zadora throws under the bus in the Blu-ray features. Uh,
0: oh, oh well, we are fortunate enough that you have the Blu-ray yeah. because there is an interview with Pia Zadora that is gold. She, yes. That lady is mad. Oh, yeah. She is real mad and, and crusty and she's talking shit about it.
1: <laughs> But P- the director, Peter Sasty, has directed a, a very infamous film with Joan Collins that I've never seen. Uh, it's been released under the title Sharon's Baby also known as I Don't Want to Be Born. Um, but uh, Same. Uh, I've also seen his film Doomwatch with Judy Geason, which is terrible. Okay. Oh, God. This, this episode is going to be long. Um, mm-hmm. You watch something called Intergalactic. Which I highly recommend. It's an oh animated film uh, that basically is showcasing Kid Cudi and all his music. So if you don't li- really like his music, it might be a lot for you. But he's basically... Kind of playing a version of himself as a cartoon character. It's directed by Fletcher Mules, uh, uh co-written by Kenya Barris. Oh. Uh, and it's about a, a, a young man who's an animator who's about to, he's on like the cusp of fame because uh, his creation's about to take off and he falls in love with his neighbor, voiced by Jessica Williams, who you know as one of the women from Two Dope Queens. Oh, who are now disbanded. Uh, Ty Dolla Sign does a voice, Jaden Smith, Timothee Chalamet, Christopher Abbott, Macaulay Culkin, Tiana Taylor, Keith, the great, wonderful Keith David. Uh, Yeah, there was just a lot to like there.
0: Next. Oh, we watched DC Sniper 23 Days of Fear (laughs) starring Charles S. Dutton, who people might know from Rock.
1: Um, And no, might know from Alien 3. I think he's more notable from Rock. Okay,
0: well Alien 3. 3- that show was on for like 5 seasons. Okay, I but think. Alien 3. 3- okay. I'm not going to yeah, of course Alien 3, but I mean Rock is his that's what probably pays for his college kids college tuition. Sure, wish. sure. Um but it, yeah, it's, it's about the DC sniper. Uh it it's very by the numbers like
1: and Charles Dutton's married to Helen Shaver, uh, the who's does the voice who's besides being in Tremors and Desert Hearts is the voice of Littlefoot's mother. Yeah, we um, were
0: we were into trying to find like made-for-tv like um mm-hmm. like bio thriller or like true crime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we were going this through. This was
1: directed by Tom McLaughlin, who directed Friday, the thirteenth part six, Jason Lives, Sometimes They Come Back, and the best lifetime movie of all time, which I might have to make a secret film for you one day in a child's name. Oh. <laughs> with Valerie Bertinelli and Louise Fletcher. Oh, yeah, you always mention that. Oh, I love it. I well, love then it. in
0: the same vein, we watched The Night's Talker.
1: Yes. <laughs> I don't know why we put that on. It,
0: I think because we were inspired by DC Sniper.
1: <laughs> yes, and this is directed by Megan Griffiths, who did a sex trafficking film called Eden I've reviewed, and some Amy Simons film called The Off Hours. I think that's the title. But it's with Lou Diamond Phillips, who actually looks quite good, uh, being interviewed by
0: <laughs> a woman... <laughs> You couldn't, you you know, you talk about me having unreasonable uh, dislike of people, but you were really bothered by this lady. I didn't know she's
1: beautiful, but that hair was so bad. She looked like Elizabeth Brooks at the end of The Howling. Uh,
0: I'm not going to say her hair looked great, but I I was amused at how bothered you were by Bellamy
1: Young. Her performance (laughs) is fine, but uh, she
0: basically plays this lawyer who's trying to get Richard Ramirez to admit to a murder, to get one of her clients off, Mm -hmm. but she approaches it. It's just so crunchy because she's trying to act like she's like, going to manipulate richard ramirez she he's he was also part of her sexual awakening because
1: she was fascinated with the case as a young girl and was raped by her mother's boyfriend when the news broke of his arrest
0: i think that part of the story was actually very interesting it just you know because of the kind of movie it was it couldn't really go as far as it probably needed to but yeah it's like her sort of the way she's able to connect with him is he of course richard ramirez is a monster who's very sexually motivated so Mm -hmm. All he wants to do is talk about her in a sexual way and so when she finally reveals to him that he's a part of her sexual awakening that's when he agrees to um, provide testimony or, or whatever you would say to admit to a murder so that her client can get off um would you recommend it
1: uh, I think if you like this subject yeah yeah it, I mean, <laughs> Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips is always fun to watch
0: I, we were I mean I enjoyed it because we were kind of laughing at it OK, you watch something called Parkour's
1: Parkour, which means by hearts. Uh, it is only being released in France, and I reviewed it for Ion Cinema. I don't believe he's published that yet, however, uh, but I did turn it in. Uh, it stars Isabelle Huppert and Fabrice Lucchini, and they oh. are, are followed around by Benoit Jacquot, a director they both. That's a new with. movie. It's a new movie. came out in France only, uh, December 28th, a documentary. And it's following these two uh, at their, as they're at some theater festival in 2021, kind of preparing for she's doing Chekhov's cherry orchard he's reading some passages of Nietzsche uh Lucchini seems very much like uh, a thespian who has thoughts about everything he does blah 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 and <laughs> Uper, Uper, who uh, I'm not surprised to see how this this is how she prepares uh how Uper prepares she is cramming her lines like she is about to lip sync for her life
0: uh, well, she, work, she works so much, she, that's the only way. It's think, not like she can learn them earlier. Like.
1: That's Because it's funny, in 2017, when somebody asked her how she prepared uh, Madame Hyde, like, prepared for her role, she's like, I learned my lines. And that's literally what she does. And then she gets, she gets, if you like her, it's definitely worth a watch if you can ever get a hold of it. But I, of course, begged the uh, French distributor for a screener. And for whatever reason, they let me have it. Uh, the Coca-Cola kid? Uh, you were in the room when I watched the first half of it. Oh, with Eric Roberts. Who is very young and handsome. It's 1985. Uh, uh, I had a hard time with this one. (laughs) It's a Yugoslavian filmmaker who's uh, uh, Dusan Makavayev, whose movies, I might have to make Sweet Movie, uh, a secret film. Sweet Movie and WR Mysteries of the Organism are just fucking fantastic. But this was an English language film he did in Australia. And I think the first half of it's, pretty interesting and then it kind of falls off but eric robertson greta scotchy uh i I think it has some really nice moments uh
0: it's so damn crunchy it is a little crunchy though yeah but yeah maybe if i if i were in a different mood i might have enjoyed it more um inconceivable
1: inconceivable uh with faye dunaway did i watch that
0: yes and nicholas cage (gasps) oh and gina gershon and that lady from man eater and who i was she had the worst hair Again. in Man Eater, and then watching Conceivable, her hair was a nightmare.
1: Yes, it certainly was. Uh, and also, poor Gina Gershon had like fourth billing, and she does all the heavy lifting.
0: Gina Gershon does all of the work. Yeah, she deserves an extra little bump and pay.
1: Uh, Faye Dunaway had nothing to do, of course, but no. uh, it's w- interesting watching her and Nick Cage.
0: It's Nick Cage and Faye Dunaway played a married couple who are both doctors, and we find out it's kind of like, like. Uh, the, hand that, the hand that rocks the cradle
1: rocks cradle but like the z-grade version oh my
0: god and that them as a couple them as doctors doesn't make any sense it's like
1: um, i know you guys are up to no good yeah
0: i would recommend it
1: we've owned it i bought it for you years ago because nick cage at one point was your fave
0: i would recommend it to yeah, laugh at sure um surviving christmas did uh, i watch that yes you did who's in that ben affleck oh <gasps> Oh my God! I don't even understand. This movie's so bad that I kind of came back around to it.
1: Kind of because it's almost like, oh, I can see how this slapsticky, stupid uh, scenario could have maybe worked.
0: Ben Affleck's character, or him as the actor, there is a, there's a choice for him to act a way that's
1: he seems insane.
0: Yeah, but not like it, it was. He was the most grating part of the movie. I agree. But Catherine O'Hara is just so fun. She is, and James Gandolfini, rest in peace. Ben Affleck plays this rich guy who insists that you cannot be alone on Christmas and his girlfriend is just broken up with him. So he goes back to his, the home he grew up in and the family who lives.
1: First, he accosts the uh, therapist of a friend or something, Stephen Root in the airport. Who
0: says you need to go back to your roots or your childhood and like write. Write a write like a complaints. note and like write all your grievances and then light it on fire in front of your childhood home. Uh-huh. So as he's doing that, James Gandolfini, who now lives in the home, assaults him, like knocks him unconscious. And when he wakes up, Ben Affleck's like, Hey, this is what I gotta do. Don't worry. I'll pay you two hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars if you pretend to be my family through Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how it's like a few days, maybe. Yeah. And he basically takes over these people's lives but he's such a dick and, and
1: hires an old man to play the grandpa
0: who he calls doodad but then uh james gandalfini keeps calling him doo <laughs> and then uh, christina applegate shows up as their adult daughter because she comes home for the holidays and then they spark a romance <sighs> but then his girlfriend shows up unannounced and there it was really hard to sit through like the first half hour but mm-hmm. then when christy when christina applegate shows up then things start happening Mm -hmm. there's a moment when Ben Affleck pays for like Catherine O'Hare to have like a fashion photo shoot
1: done by Udo Kier (laughs)
0: done by Udo Kier and I would say the movie's worth watching just for that because she looks crazy (laughs) as hell
1: insane moment and then Udo Udo supposedly into it
0: I've heard people say that they think James Gandolfini is attractive and I remember thinking like y'all crazy but I actually thought he was attractive in this movie like there were moments where i thought he was well good.
1: it's before his weight was really out of control and he has a, a vibe for sure
0: uh masquerade
1: oh god this was a lot of fun i can't believe it's taken me it, it's not great but it has a great score by what's his name john barry and uh i i do like meg tilly even though i think she's incorrectly cast in this uh but rob Lowe, young and handsome uh trying to screw over this uh, very rich young orphaned heiress and things kind of sort of backfire very heavily. Was I in the room? No, no. I did post a uh, <laughs> you could tell a man wrote this because at one point she said she leans over to Rob Lowe and she's like, oh, I imagine it'd be pleasant to be pregnant in Florida. Oh, no, that's right. No woman has ever said that the humidity of flora with all the bugs and lizards. No, um, but it's uh, the reason I put it on was because it's the follow up to a film directed by Bob Swain uh, who you were familiar with half moon street oh with segovia uh, weaver which is not a good film either which is based on a book by paul thoreau i've never read uh but this was his follow-up and i'd say it's better but it's also it has some
0: dumb things going on okay we have to take another break another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC. All right, we still have more movies we watch for fun. <sighs> so our live review of House Party Two. Mm-hmm on friday or saturday yesterday yesterday prompted us to watch class act a 1992 film
1: directed by randall miller uh who i've reviewed cbgb which i didn't really like and uh also i remember i've never seen it but heavily advertised the film house guest with sinbad
0: well i actually quite liked class act i did too i liked it more than house party house two, party two yeah. and i would probably give class sack like three out of five yeah
1: it's entertaining
0: kid and play also star in it who mm-hmm. star in house the house party movies uh this rap duo but they play like they're i they play high school students which i think is funny because they just the year before had released a movie where they're in college, college or yeah. one of them at least so i think it's funny that they're back in high school because mm-hmm. these look like grown ass men but they um kid is like a genius who's trying to get into like a super elite school and play is this reprobate. Hmm. And they both end up going to the same high school
1: because the thing kid has never done is past uh, physical education. Kid is, they,
0: his parents have found a way to keep him out of physical oh, education. His
1: dad's played by Meshack Taylor.
0: He is. So that's why he's going to this school. And, um, the principal's assistant, who's like a sexual predator. She mixes up their, school like uh what do you call it uh files files so now the good kid is known as the bad kid and they have they spend the bulk of the movie trying to cover for each other because they Mm -hmm. both need to make this happen if play is not a if, if play doesn't make it happen he goes back to jail and if kid doesn't make it happen he can't get into the equivalent of harvard and i just thought it was very cleverly written there are a lot of moments that i thought like wow whoever wrote this really had some some good like ideas mm-hmm. i laughed a lot and then the villain in the movie is this guy who looks like first of all he
1: he looks like a thin lavelle crawford yeah he looks
0: like a emaciated lavelle crawford uh, but
1: my first thought was Ernest Borg, a black Ernest Borg, and he's supposed
0: to be in high school with them yeah. and then tommy from martin thomas McHale ford i believe is his real mm-hmm. name yes he plays like he's the heavy like the heavy the the, the drug lord who uh skinny Lavelle Crawford works for he was kind of fun to watch and the high school student looks older than Tommy (laughs) (laughs) but he keeps getting beat up oh my god it's so funny like Um, and Dougie Doug
1: Dougie Doug is in it
0: it's just so cute I would highly recommend class act I would watch it again
1: and uh, uh Loretta Devine is plays mom yes who has not enough to do but she looked young and cute she did
0: and then to round up movies you watch for fun you put on kindergarten cop
1: yeah because I, I, you said you hadn't seen it since it came out it
0: came out and like a, I, we saw it in a drive-in theater i didn't remember the plot at all and actually once the movie got going i realized that i didn't remember it at all because i think i was thinking of the movie with arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito twins i thought kindergarten cop was twins then
1: same director ivan reitman yeah
0: so but i saw twins when it came out as well but i mm-hmm. couldn't tell you anything i thought kindergarten cop was cute it is very cute i think arnold schwarzenegger with kids is like a recipe for comedy gold mm-hmm. because he's like this monster and the and the kids some of whom are adorable yeah that little girl from beethoven. the little girl from beethoven is perfect mm-hmm. and
1: the kid from pet cemetery
0: he's so little and the scenes where they're walking like for the fire uh, like alarm drill he's just like half the size of the other kids all of that's very funny but then the thriller component with the bad guy played by oh what's his name who uh, looks like kurt russell's he looks like a douchey bargain, bargain younger kurt Russell. yeah but i love
1: carol baker she's the, very effective of the evil grandma yeah, yeah she's very effective uh, and penelope ann miller as the uh damsel in distress Pamela Reed I think has a lot of fun as uh especially when she's pretending to be his Austrian sister
0: yes and
1: uh I of course always love Linda Hunt oh yeah as the principal as the principal
0: yeah. of the school it was I I'm glad I watched it
1: yeah but it it very much like cuts corners and forces us to believe that no those two are in love okay
0: okay moving on projects of interest oh Baumbach, yeah. Pitt Sandler
1: Oh, uh, Noah Baumbach, who you just watched White Noise, and I know you're a fan of Marriage Story, is reuniting with Adam Sandler for his next project, who I know he directed. in Adam Sandler's in the Meyerowitz stories, right? Yeah. Uh, Which Sigourney shows up as herself in. I haven't made you watch that yet. Uh, Brad Pitt has also signed on to his new movie because I think after the success of Marriage Story, Baumbach signed a pretty good deal with Netflix. So it'll be a Netflix film. And Do- Dolly. Dolly, looks like how we're supposed to say it. Uh Quentin DuPew, who apparently doesn't take any breaks, uh, because he just had a uh he just had a movie at Cannes this year called Smoking Makes You Cough, which was kind of fun and was on John Waters' best of the year list. But his new movie Dolly, where he's reuni- reuniting with uh Anise de moustier and a bunch of other people he likes, uh, is about a French journalist who meets Salvador Dolly on various occasions for a documentary project. So expect goofy fun.
0: Okay, unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. First is, um, I I don't want to, I'm going to butcher his um, birth name, Edson Arantes do Nascimento, who is known as Pele, mm-hmm. the, he's,
1: he's Brazilian, right? A
0: Brazilian football or as we like to say, soccer player. Um, he passed away at the age of 82. I will be honest, I, I'm i not familiar with who Pele is. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even. Yeah.
1: God, there was a documentary about him.
0: God, but he obviously had ago? a lot of impact and people um, seem really sad that he died, obviously. I don't know. <laughs> oh, OK. I don't know who the person is. Do you? Yeah, of course. Oh. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. Vivian Westwood passed. and all we heard of her yeah well you know i'm i'm not into fashion i don't know anything about anything and you know a lot you know a lot of people like to go oh it's giving mugler it's giving chanel and i do you know like mugler to me is like very industrial like
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know you and, watch and then like chanel
0: i know like the
1: alexander mcqueen you know Mc, mcqueen
0: i know like ruffle and like british Prince and versace like i get that but i think like vivian westwood to me is like i probably the first reference i ever knew because they say it a lot in um abfab. of course Mm -hmm. yeah so and then she was a very vibrant person like she would do cartwheels and she had a very specific style like hairstyle and her makeup was always kind of garish and so i like i do like she's a reference that i probably was she i think she was the first fashion reference that if you said it was like vivian westwood i would know what that meant sure but she's gone Barbara Walters is gone.
1: Oh, I mean it, that's you know we knew that was coming.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean she's a trailblazer and started the View and of course when I was a kid watching Twenty Twenty was like requisite on a Friday. Like
1: Downs. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. So she'll be missed and I, and I know that she was known. She got a lot of criticism back in like the seventies and eighties because she would ask. Well, even the nineties, like she would ask tough questions that when you look back on now, a lot of people, like a lot of feminists interpret her as being like, like a lot of the questions she would ask, ask women mm-hmm. seem like
1: well, Catherine Hepburn got testy with her.
0: Yeah. And and I've recently, because it's been all over social media, you know, glimpse, taking glimpses of some of these moments and it's like, yeah, you know, probably wouldn't approach people that way in 2022, mm-hmm. but also for a woman in that industry, trying to be taken seriously. It's almost like you're forced. Mm-hmm to be what maybe some people would have said in the nineties and the early two thousands, like she's being a bitch, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, she was trying to be legit, but, and my only thing, one of the bigger things I remember about Barbara Walters saying is about her sex life Mm -hmm. as an older woman and saying that you just need lube like, (laughs) so yeah. And lastly, um, Pope Benedict the 16th died. He was the Pope before our current one. Oh, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know much about his views. I don't remember. I don't think he was because our current pope has been the most sort of Open. progressive. Yeah. But I don't know how backwards this guy was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, I did want to mention with this one, since people made comments about my comments about death. But I always wonder, like for people who believe in heaven and who are very religious, Why are they so afraid of dying? Because if you're going to heaven, wouldn't that be like an upgrade? Yeah. So why are y'all like acting a plum fool when anyone dies, like jumping in the casket and grieving for forever? Like, aren't they going to a better place? Because no one actually really knows. Well, it's because everyone's selfish. Like they just think about how they feel. And it's like, well, if you really believe in all this bullshit, Shouldn't you be happy for them that they're they're going off to glory? They're going
1: up there and there's like 35,000 virgins waiting for them or whatever. Oh, that's a different religion. Okay.
0: Can we get through our secret movie in uh, 15 minutes? I don't think so. Oh, God. But we'll try. Okay, so our secret movie today, we had our theme for our live reviews was party because of New Year's Eve. So we picked five films that have party in the title. And this was one of the more heated polls because two films were neck and neck mm. party monster and house party two and of course house party two won. But there were a lot of comments like i'm not watching house party 2 and i want you to review party monster oh boy so here we are we're going to talk about the 2003 american biographical crime drama film written and directed by fenton bailey and randy barbato
1: better known as the men behind wow uh, rupaul's drag race Wow
0: present or like wow network which yeah. does rupaul's drag race um it's the film party monster it's based on james st james uh, book or memoir called disco bloodbath mm-hmm. i have I of course had seen this movie, um, probably like in two thousand
1: four. I saw, yeah, I remember. I think this was playing when I first moved to the Twin Cities. Yeah, this was playing uh, at the Lagoon Chain.
0: This might be this might have been like my fourth time watching it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I forgot. I knew, I remember liking the soundtrack and I forgot how many things on the soundtrack I really liked.
0: Overall, I think the movies, I would give it like three and a half out of five. I think it's very good. It is. It's a very interesting story because it's based on the memoir of someone who was So, for people who don't know party monster is about it's It's written by James St. James, who was a club kid back in the eighties and nineties in New York city. And he befriended a guy named Michael Alec, who became a very prominent, club kid and party promoter in New York and was convicted of murdering a drug dealer. So he became infamous Mm -hmm. and then ultimately only served like, what was it like 15 years or something got out and then he died like two years ago, I think December 25th,
1: 2020. Mm -hmm.
0: So, but the, the movie is about the book James St. James wrote. So it's like from the perspective of this person who was sort of like a hanger on to this murderer and i think the movie suffers from that perspective because the most interesting part of to me is the drug use that fueled this murder and how these people tried to cover it up and the aftermath because it went on for a couple months that Mm -hmm. the police really didn't because it was like you know this queer drug dealer yeah, they didn't want to Who was deals. a person of color. It's like, you know, I'm I'm not saying it was race-motivated, but just like that entire community, like the, the cops have better things to do than, oh, another missing person. So I think that would have been the better movie. We sure. spend a lot of time with James St. James, who is an interesting person, but I think as played by Seth Green, Macaulay Culkin plays Michael Alec. I, I really think that we could have, we, we didn't need james st james i would have preferred more of michael alec and his relationship with the club owner played by dylan mcdermott
1: mm-hmm. but sure but then it sets up this kind of all about eve scenario where you know michael alec comes in swoops in and basically copies what james st james
0: according you know uh, right but i think what the film does well is because it's extremely low budget i think it because what these club kids were doing is these kids had no money no resources Which, you know, the club kid scene is very, to me, like, I mean, it's adjacent to the ballroom scene. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. Fantasy. A fantasy. I think the ballroom scene is more appealing to me than the, for obvious reasons maybe. But yeah. I think what this does really well is the glamour that all these club kids wanted to present, but then they have no resources. I think the film being shot in digital and watching it in 2022, it has that grittier vibe and then well, it feels like a time capsule of film
1: that's in itself a time capsule of an earlier period. Right.
0: So I think in that way, the experience like it's all very effective Um, and I think watching I mean, we can get into it, but I think It's interesting. These two men, these male actors who I believe both identify as heterosexual Mm -hmm. playing these two gay characters are queer. super flamboyant. And super flamboyant. I'm, I'm sure people have opinions about that. Mine would be that I think it works.
1: I think it works because I've met people like this. And also, you have to remember that these gay men themselves were putting on an exaggerated persona.
0: And also, these are real people. So it's not like a straight male actor is.
1: It's not like, you know. I, don't, I ne- never once felt uncomfortable watching this now. Yeah, see, in 2003, I think I was filled with self-loathing and probably had a, I, I think in my mind's eye, I had a completely different reaction to this film. But I didn't feel uncomfortable as in watching Richard Burton and Rex Harrison be simpering in this. what that movie called The Staircase.
0: Mm. I'm just going to go through my notes. When we, <laughs> the movie kind of opens with, james Satan james uh seth green talk like he's giving an interview based on the book he wrote so it's you know making it very aware that this is based on his book and then we he sort of gives a history of how he met michael alec um but when we the the place that michael alec macaulay's character lives in is so dirty Mm -hmm. and that he's serving like tea and scones and there are flies everywhere and this is the opening of the film because we're supposed to understand that there's a dead body Mm -hmm. decomposing in the apartment that was so gross. But then, um, so when they first meet, like you mentioned, Michael Alec wants to copy James St. James. And so after he meets him, he agrees. Michael wants to hang out with James. So they agree to meet at a donut shop. And I thought that scene was kind of funny because James is teaching Michael, like how to be social and Mm -hmm. work the room and how to take photos to be in the papers. And uh, again. Cause they're being so flamboyant and their patrons in the donut shop, looking at them like they're crazy. I thought it did a very good job of showing how out of place these. Types of people were mm-hmm. in their environment.
1: Well, and then end up becoming famous for not doing anything.
0: Wilmer Valderrama. Good thing he's attractive because I don't think that man can act. I watched no, several can't. episodes of whatever, when I was on the cruise, uh, I think it's like NCIS or something mm-hmm. he i watched several episodes with the seasons that he's on and even there it's like he is not no it, he's just good looking but other than that but he plays the dj the superstar dj kyoki mm-hmm. who macaulay's character michael alec spinning
1: uh, vitalik at the the last scene we're with him the music yeah.
0: is very good mm-hmm. got some um, lady tron dylan mcdermott playing this peter gaitian that Gation, club Gation, i'm sorry club owner um you know dylan mcdermott is much more handsome than the yes, actual peter gays even with his one little eye. with his little one patch because i guess he's missing he is missing an eye because yeah. we see it at one point and mia Kirshner is his wife who's gorgeous uh-huh. she reminds me of uh anna de Armas. yeah she kind of looks like that mm-hmm. but macaulay's care michael alec invites peter to his house for christmas <laughs> and you know peter's rich and then michael lives in like a crack den but when peter shows up for christmas um dj kiyoki and james st james are there in this dirty ass apartment and peter as a christmas gift brings like a grandfather cuckoo yeah. clock up this like the walk-up building <laughs> like what um
1: and then uh, diana scarwood plays uh Alec's mother elka who you know as the the little Christina Crawford from Mommy Dearest. Yes, I think she's very good in the movie. Yeah.
0: But that Christmas scene, a couple of things happen that I think are really funny. One is that um, Michael is trying to show Peter, like, or explain to him that he needs more opportunities, and he covers his like, or no, that's a different scene. That's a different scene. Oh, in that scene, Michael gets mad at James St. James because he's like flirting with DJ Mm Kiyoki. So as Michael's serving everyone champagne, he pees in James glass. Mm -hmm. So then James drinks Michael's urine and everyone knows uh, like Peter knows he did it. So like, I thought that was a very well-done seed because the way James reacts to drinking the urine, Mm -hmm. but it's also that Christmas or James Mm St. James is explaining to DJ Kiyoki, like how to be a DJ and he says there are three rules Mm -hmm. number one play the studio 54 compilation mix Mm -hmm. no one will know that it's like it's it it works perfectly and then he tells him madonna always works Mm -hmm. like just play madonna (laughs) and lastly he tells him play techno because everyone will think you're cutting edge (laughs) i thought that was funny um i didn't realize there's a character named christina the superstar and oh, that's, that's maryland manson. manson Yeah,
1: who apparently those were his own falsies that he showed up with in wig oh
0: who dated dita von Teese. yeah oh speaking of which i thought d because i'm not very familiar with her i thought that lady looking at her on stage and even in person i thought she was in her 30s that lady is 50 years old yeah i guess she was in her late she 40s. looks great she's been
1: around for a long time yeah she's
0: she's living right
1: um and she was in. You didn't watch it, but don't worry, darling. Oh, she is. She does her martini glass thing in that movie. Yeah. Oh.
0: As well, a blonde.
1: Apparently, she's really a blonde.
0: Yeah, she is. Well, we when we met her, you could see like the the nape of her neck. You could see blonde hair. Oh. So I I don't think she was wearing a wig. I think she just maybe didn't color. Yeah, maybe. she it's, missed that it's part. Kind of like how
1: Winona Ryder, I think, is really.
0: Blonde. Yeah. Um, but. Marilyn Manson as Christina, there's a scene where they're going to have like a rave party inside of a semi truck and oh. Christina's driving it while she just dropped acid. <laughs> like what were they going to do with the semi truck? With those big ass heels. Oh my God. That gave me so much anxiety. There's a scene where uh, Michael gives the cat cocaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scrudle, Scruttle and scroodle. Scr- I don't know what the names were. Um, okay. There was a scene that didn't make sense to me. James and Michael decide to make a magazine about like the club scene. Mm-hmm. And Michael, cause he's an awful person, writes a horrible story about James, about how he's like trafficking, like white slaves or yeah. something. And he sends that article to James dad. And we're told that James St. James is rich. Like he lives off of a trust fund. Yeah. And when the dad sees this, the dad revokes James trust fund. And his reaction to Michael is very lukewarm.
1: I think that's the writing of that scene, and because he slams the magazine down and says, "I'm cut off," and I'm like, "What is that? And like your pictures cut off?" is how I, I thought of it. And then you know,
0: I would have thought, like, I'm gonna have to kill you. You just fucked my money up, like, and they need money, for um, like drugs. my trust fund is gone, yeah. like, because then he has to move in with Michael, yeah. and they don't have any money for drugs, and
1: yeah, there it, there was a dimension of that missing.
0: Speaking of drugs, there's a scene where James and uh, Michael or James and James and Michael are baking drugs like mm-hmm. in the oven. Yeah. And then the drug dealer wearing leather pleather pants is like passed out on the coffee table. So when James brings like the baking dish of hot drugs out, he doesn't know where to put it. So he just puts it on the drug dealer's pleather covered ass. Like
1: and it's sizzling.
0: I thought the movie again did a really good job of showing like the despair and just I don't i didn't watch requiem for a dream but i'm assuming there are scenes where it's just like these people on drugs and mm-hmm. it's horrible i feel like this film also captures that but then it's also like these people who want to be glamorous but living in squalor you haven't seen requiem no
1: oh ellen burston's so good nah. so th-
0: so i do think this film does that really well um
1: and then they go to dallas
0: to recruit you know more club kids and then we see uh
1: natasha Lyon. well
0: before it. they go to dallas the, the reason so the reason they're actually in dallas is because natasha's character who's like a club promoter saw them on the john stamos talk show which is who's doing like heraldo yeah and on that show michael is being such a brat he's yeah. like telling like the world that all of these people are drug dealers yes and at one point, he tells James St. James, like, oh, yeah, I was arrested last week, but it was fine because I gave them your name. It's just like he is vile. Yeah,
1: he's terrible. Uh, but then he uh, falls for uh, Gitsy, played by Chloe Sevigny.
0: I also think that that wasn't very well written. Like, is that your girlfriend or she's just a hanger on? I, I think mean, she's we... a
1: hanger. I, th- I think she was an enabler.
0: I, I think that could have been more refined. Because, uh, again, I think this movie should have been more about Michael Alec because they're
1: doing so much drug. I think because you were watching some documentary after about how this was a, a response to uh, AIDS where we all these people were just doing drugs and sex wasn't an issue because they were too fucked up to have sex. So, oh, like that that's how that this component was able to flourish because people were afraid of you know, equating sex with death. So this was a way to reclaim the club scene. By just being obliterated.
0: So, the scene I was mentioning about Peter's eye is Michael gives Peter, his boss, a gift, which is drugs, and, but then he covers his one good eye, mm-hmm. which I think is so funny. And then we get a scene where they're like in a hotel suite and it's like their drug den. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even mention the person who was killed. It was a guy named Angel.
1: Played by Wilson Cruz.
0: Mm-hmm. This Colombian guy in real life who, uh, yeah he was the like the, the drug dealer that michael used and never paid
1: well he because he lived with them too for a while
0: and it was him not paying that precipitated the fight mm-hmm. because of course michael the way the movie presents it was awful to everyone mm-hmm. um you know it's very gruesome how this person died and I don't need to know every little detail because I've watched it in other documentaries that I'm aware, of. but I the mean, film he
1: injected him with Drano. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it
0: does, you know, they hit him with a hammer injected him with Drano, dismembered him, put, put it,
1: Drano in his mouth and taped it.
0: Ugh. So it's awful. But, um, we get the, the, the way it's explained to the audience in the film is that like, A rat that was living in the baseboards, like James St. James has a vision of this, like a dream. And the rat is showing him Mm -hmm. how everything happened. I thought that was a really interesting way to do it. Um, Okay. I promise this is the last break. Okay. Okay. This episode is really long. Um, (laughs) I wrote down a bunch of quotes that I thought were funny. I think the writing, I don't, I don't know if this was just pulled straight from the book um, or the screenwriter actually made a lot of this up but um well the directors wrote the screenplay so oh. i'm I'm assuming a lot of it came from the book there's a moment when james tells michael you've gone too far with drugs and michael says have you looked in the mirror lately <laughs> and then when michael's mom is talking to john stamos like the the tv host she's like this is michael he was always making money my little candy man because she has this like mm-hmm. uh what kind of accent is it? Some kind of European accent.
1: It's cute. Well, Elka, is that's a that's a very Scandinavian name, isn't it?
0: Then Michael's talking about how he was molested as a kid. That he goes, one day his mother caught us and screamed, I told you not to bring them here. <laughs> like,
1: oh my God.
0: Elka's German, I think. Oh. Then, uh, is it Mike? No, James is talking about his upbringing and then, like how hard it was, and Michael goes, "I had a hard time growing up too." And then James is so initially so mean and dismissive to Michael,
1: mm-hmm. and then he gets his just desserts. Kind he of.
0: does because when Michael introduces himself, he's like, "Hi, I'm Michael," and James says, "Well, I'll alert the media." <laughs> and when Michael first meets Peter, he's like, "I love the eye patch, by the way. It's very Pirates of the Caribbean." Um when uh oh gosh when James played by Seth is like rubbing on Wilmer's crotch um and then he goes oh if I if I were a glove upon that hand Mm -hmm. like I I think the way Macaulay and Seth play these characters I don't know I was really into it and I Mm -hmm. think Macaulay Which is from Romeo and Juliet. He is, oh, it is. He's very, he has a cute little body on him. I was surprised. Like, he's more in this movie Mm -hmm. because you get a lot of him wearing like very little clothing. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that he's a little meatier than you might think. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to go through all these quotes. There were just a lot that I thought were funny. I'm not addicted to drugs, I'm addicted to glamour. It's very well written um, for what it is and for being so low budget oh god in the end when macaulay is like chloe's taking a bath and he's on the toilet and he's like having trouble peeing and she's like well come in the bathtub and then he gets in for a while and they start talking he's like oh i can pee now Ooh! when michael's describing the dismemberment and he goes the meat just fell away and the bones just snapped oh. like Ooh. and he had him in that box in that living room oh my god <laughs> uh and then when michael is trying to convince peter to let him have this like blood themed party blood feast yeah and peter's like no that you've gone too far and he's like but it's my birthday and i want to have a blood feast <laughs> and then when john stamos asked the mom like well i heard that your son gave you ecstasy how was it and she's like well he told me it was for her headache it was for my headache and then john stamos is like and well my headache went away oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god um i do have to mention this one um When James and Michael are bickering, uh, James tells Michael, Well, you're the Paula Abdul to my Janet Jackson. He goes, Is that good? And (laughs) Seth Green has a side eye look. Like, Yes, bitch, of course. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's Party
1: Monster. Yeah, it was fun to revisit because, yeah, I haven't seen it since 2003.
0: Well, I could probably wait another 20 years to watch it again.
1: I mean, and again, you know, you put on some girl talking about how it hasn't hasn't aged well because we have these, you know, straight actors playing that. Again, I think that the gay man that wrote this based on the gay man's memoirs, I think that they they are just conduits for this material. And I thought, I, I know people that
0: act this way. And if you're trying to make a low budget film and you can get... These people probably got the film made. Because their names were attached. And Macaulay Culkin, like he hadn't worked in a while because he had retired. I think
1: his first film in nine years, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then for him, like this kid star of immense, like uh, fame to then agree now as, you know, an adult to do this movie about a gay murderer is pretty cool. So, like, of course you would say, like, yes. And then he did. He went all in. Mm -hmm, He did. He, He didn't shy away. From anything and from looking crazy so I feel like he definitely earned that role okay this week what's happening <clears throat> what is happening Megan you get to see Megan I get to see Megan you've already seen it mm-hmm. um yeah I feel like it's a, a nice smooth start into the new
1: year hopefully uh, yeah uh th- I think house party read the re- that remake comes out this uh week as well oh so I'll be watching that this week Probably uh, haven't seen anything from publicists on it. Uh, oh, maybe
0: maybe you've been blacklisted,
1: blacklisted. No, they probably aren't. Maybe they're not screening it for press. Oh, maybe it's not good. Uh, the first week of January is not a good sign, which is why I was surprised. I liked Megan. Um, oh, <clears throat> but it, usually it means that the studio has anxiety about it, <laughs> I think. Uh, I finished reading the sluts by Dennis Cooper, which was very dark and actually kind of
0: you look like a slut
1: look like I am Uh, very much in fitting with Party Monster. Uh, Very easy read, but also difficult uh, with the subject matter. But if you know Dennis Cooper, who wrote probably most famous for Frisk because there was a film version of that. and now i'm reading the street of crocodiles by bruno schultz a polish jew who was murdered by the nazis in
0: 1942. um just some light reading
1: yeah you know <laughs> and well, yeah i
0: know you that's why you're crazy as a shithouse rap but <laughs> what <laughs> you read all this yeah you're just a you're a sweet soft loving person because the world's a sweet soft living place isn't it oh um, always uh, <laughs> a reason always a reason for the season <laughs>
1: uh yeah that's
0: about it right well i just we have more people who have sponsored the podcast on anchor so thank Thank you you. and uh we have more people sending us money on venmo just to say thank you so i mean that's really sweet Mm -hmm. um we 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 do receive it so um thank you for that if if you want to send us money on venmo the oh boy (laughs) you're welcome to do so uh you can sponsor the podcast you can leave Thanks on our YouTube videos. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize
1: because I was asked because we don't do commercials during the podcast. And I didn't realize that you were turning down some offers.
0: Yeah, we do get asked to like, sp- like sp- there are people who want to sponsor, like have us do ads, but I don't want to do things that I wouldn't actually. I mean, I would sell out like how Maria Bamford did her Target ads, but she got paid well. Like she did. I, you know, I would do a Target ad, but I'm not going to sell like. I don't it's just stuff that i don't things that you don't really that you don't want to be reading um scripts for that like
1: i love this mattress
0: <laughs> yeah i mean commercials do play during the podcast but they're like you know it's not me it's not me but for me to say it is like uh it would have to be something i actually sure so if maserati wants to sponsor oh, <laughs> I would love a quattro porte grand luso not gonna, um i don't
1: think i think that you're aiming too high may, maybe too
0: high well i would love some uh chipotle gift cards okay that's always good uh, nice. well i'd want to check plus chipotle gift cards i don't want to use the check to pay for the chipotle mm-hmm. um yeah th- so things like that that sure. i like th- things that i would actually use um or you know they want you to like wear the stuff or You know, people ask us like play stuff in the background of our videos, but it's like, do you watch our videos? They're all green screen. So I can't like whatever, well, whatever stuff you want me to show, I can't show it in our videos because we don't have a background. So, and then it's still stuff that I wouldn't use or want. Sure. So. Yeah, I think consumable goods would be something that would work well for us. Luxury items, fragrances, but then you can't really smell those through the, through the visual. But we can, um, we,
1: can we can have smell vision like polyester.
0: Yeah, we can. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Do you have a quote? Oh, I did. I but I uh, I, I had a hopeful quote from Dickens for all of you. Oh, Charles Dickens. Yes. Do you, is Dick? Wait, Dick is short for Richard. Yeah, so it wouldn't be Dick Dickens Charles. It would would be be Chuck, Chuck Chuck Dickens. Good old
1: Chuck Dickens. (laughs) Chicky, Jicky Donahue, Chicky
0: Dickens, Chicky, Chicky
1: Chicky Dickens, you know, who went to Vietnam to give his friends beer.
0: Chicky Dickens. (laughs) dick dickens uh went to vietnam to give all for for anyone who doesn't know that's a reference to the movie the greatest beer run ever starring zach efron and russell Crowe. bill murray yo bill Bill murray Murray. that was on our worst of (laughs) 2020 anyway what's your quote from dick dickens
1: uh have a heart that never hardens and a temper that never tires and a touch that never hurts
0: and a tuck that never drops there you go all right okay bye he did drag okay bye (laughs)
1: I'm going to go